good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Please join me in the red hymnal in number 549 as we sing the doxology together. Number 549 in the doxology. is hymn number 706. And when you fast, do not put on a sad face like the show-offs do. They go around with a hungry look so that everybody will be sure to see that they are fasting. Remember this, they have already been paid in full. When you go without food, wash your face and comb your hair so that others cannot know what, that you are fasting. Only your Father, who is unseen, will know. And your Father who sees what you do in private will reward you. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 458, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross.
Our scripture reading this morning is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are just so thankful that you have taken the worship that we've had thus far and the praise that we've given you, and you've acknowledged it through your presence of spirit in our lives individually, but also as a corporate followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that you've accepted this worship and that you've acknowledged it with the presence of your Spirit with each and every one of us. Help me, God, that continuation of our act of worship. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I have a lot of cool things to tell you, and I was trying to prioritize this morning the best of this past week. In fact, probably the next couple of weeks I'll be telling you a couple of things in terms of my journey the last couple of days. I was in Washington, D.C., and I had the honor, because I still am serving uh, in the reserves, to lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier on Friday. And I must admit, if you've ever seen that ceremony, if you've ever participated, if you've ever witnessed it there at Arlington, it's a very solemn occasion. In fact, as we were doing it, um, when taps was being played, I was overcome with emotion. Does anybody else have that same kind of response when you hear taps being played, that you think of so many things? You think of family members and friends that you've served with, You think of your own individual sacrifices that you have made. And I think you ask the question of yourself, I know I did as I was at Order Arms listening to taps being played, was the sacrifice worth it? And I would have to say to you, yes. I would say to you the sacrifice was worth it. And not only for myself, but I will speak for my family, and I think they too would tell you that the sacrifice was worth it, but they probably would never want to experience it again, if you understand my meaning on that. The scriptures that we have read this morning tells us of Jesus calling his or some of his disciples to come and follow him. And in the same way, Jesus calls each and every one of us to follow him. And Jesus does that in a very special way for us. He does it through the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in our lives or is around our lives. Because unless you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
You cannot have that presence of spirit in your life called the Holy Spirit. But it does not mean that the Spirit of God is not speaking to you. Does that make sense? Because the Spirit of God does speak to each and every one of us in a variety of ways. It's not always the same way. How God communicates with me may be different in terms of how God communicates with you. But I think each and every one of us want to be connected to something greater than ourselves. I know we can define it as a higher power. And for me, that higher power is my relationship with God that I have through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I make no apologies for that. But I do know that everyone does not see it the same way that I do. In fact, I think it would be wonderful, not that my view is always correct, but at least similar views to see things the same way as I do as a follower of Jesus Christ. But I realize that not everybody sees it the same way. And I think Jesus understood that too. Because he didn't go to the higher places of learning in his day to call his disciples. For the most part, he called a bunch of humble men that were working everyday tasks, everyday occupations. But yet he took them, the majority of them, and formed them into a set of disciples that transformed the world for him as his followers and as his disciples. So as I read this text and I am reminded about who primarily God called, I would say to you that there is hope for me and in the same way that there is hope for you. Because God is not looking for anyone special. He's just looking for someone that is willing to respond to the invitation that he gives through his spirit to come. To come. And there's always that invitation. That door is never closed. No matter how far you think that you've walked away from God, no matter how far you've taken and you've gone down a path in which you have forsaken anything that has to do with faith, anything that has to do with the spiritual life, God still has that speaking to us, regardless of the circumstances. One of the other things I did when I was in Washington, D.C. this week, I had the opportunity to go to the White House. Now, no, I did not meet with the President of the United States. I did the tourist thing. And there's a part of the White House, a few rooms that you can go to, and they let you take tours. And obviously, Secret Service is everywhere. In fact, one of the uniformed Secret Service uh, people, they were there, were talking to some of the guests, the visitors, as we were going to the variety of rooms. And somebody asked a question about different things that people ask them as they're making their tours, or even some of the guests that are actually invited to the White House. And this Secret Service officer, uniformed officer, was sharing that there was somebody there from a professional sports team, and this professional sports person actually asked the question, well, if I went running down this hallway in this unrestricted area, what would you do? And the uniformed Secret Service officer said, I would shoot you dead. 
I had ended that conversation really quickly. And so as we were going through the White House, it was really interesting to see a part of history that I have never been exposed to. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity that Lynn and I could go along with uh, two of my grandsons uh, went with us. And it's a very a special moment just, just to be there. Regardless of whatever your political affiliation is or who you vote for or whatever party you belong to, just to be there in that building in the White House where so many decisions are made, so many things that are decided upon that influence not only just our nation, but the world as a whole. And I share that with you because even in the White House, God is not impressed with anyone or anything that is there. And when you put that in perspective, it kind of gives you a different understanding of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And what's important here this morning as we think about our own individual relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, I want to ask you the question and I ask myself the question, what is our own individual personal identity with God? And that is only something that you can answer. It is only something that I can answer. I cannot respond for you. You cannot respond for me. But what is your own individual personal identity with God? How do you see and understand God? How do you follow God? Have you ever taken the time to look at your own, and I call it your own personal spiritual and faith heritage? We have a spiritual and a faith heritage as a nation. One of the things I did, as well as going to the White House and going to the nation's capital and participating in a ceremony at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, is we had a tour guide that took us around to the different significant monuments, Thomas Jefferson, Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and he provided for us an insight into the spiritual and faith heritage of those memorials. And it was interesting to see that each one, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, and Martin Luther King Jr., each one of them had a spiritual and a faith heritage. Now, it would not be defined as being the same, but they had a spiritual and a faith heritage that they referred to in terms of who they were individually, but also in terms of who they were as leaders in this nation that we share together. So you and I have a common ground, a common bond as being citizens of the United States that you and I share in the same spiritual and faith heritage. Now whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, well you know what, it's still there. And I thought it was really interesting as we had some other guests with us that they never heard history defined in terms of a spiritual or a faith heritage in terms of just those three monuments. We went on to do other things. We went to the Vietnam uh, Memorial as well, went to the World War II uh, monument. We did some things up at Arlington Cemetery. We went to the Eternal Flame uh, for John F. Kennedy. Uh, we visited some of the other graves that were up there of significant Americans that contributed to our history as a nation. And our guide referred to the spiritual and faith heritage 
of each place that we visited. And so it's very rich. And for us as followers of Jesus Christ, if we are going to respond to God's invite in terms of wanting to become part of our own personal identity, he is going to call us in the same way that he called his disciples. Hey, I want you to be a follower of mine. That's how the Spirit of God is going to speak to you. Now, it may be in a still, small voice. It might be in a louder voice. It might be a whack over the head. But he's going to respond, he's going to respond, and he's going to say to you, I want you to be a follower of me. Because God wants us to be his follower. God wants each and every one of us to be his disciples. And as we think about that own personal identity that we have, one of the things that we have to realize as God calls us to be a disciple is we will always be the student. We will always be the student. When God calls us to be one of his followers, we will be in the position of always learning in terms of how to improve our relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, and with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But not only that, we as a student will be improving our relationships with each other as our personal identity is found in Jesus Christ. Because being a follower of Jesus Christ goes beyond just a series of do's and don'ts. And a lot of people have identified Christianity as something in which you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. Well, I tell you what, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ goes beyond I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go out with men and women who do. Okay, It goes beyond that. Because our identity is much richer as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're always in the student mode. We always will be learning. We will never know everything completely. And we have to understand that. Because God always wants us to learn. He always wants us to be the follower. And if you think about it, those of us that have served in the military, we understand that for you to excel in leadership, you have to be a follower first. Back in June, we had a series of lectures where, lectures, sermons, sorry, sermons where we talked about the whole idea of what leadership was. And if you remember that, we talked about the whole idea of having competence, confidence, and then having confidence, and then because we had competence and then confidence, we also would have decisive decision-making as being a leader. And in the same way, we need to understand as a follower of Jesus Christ, we will always be a follower. We will always be a student. And in doing so, God will give us the opportunity to be leaders in other people's lives because they will be a little bit, I don't want to say behind, but they will be perhaps maybe in a different grade, how about that, or different grade of spiritual maturity where they need to, live, need to know a little bit more. They need to experience the love of Christ in a different way. They need to mature. And those of us that are maybe ahead of the game a little bit, we're still growing in Christ. We're still trying to mature in Christ. We're still trying to get it right. But there might be opportunities when we can truly mentor others 
And I think there is a, a desire, and I think also that there's a need, where people want to be mentored. They want to know what it is to have faith. They want to know what it is to have a spiritual life. And those of us that have an understanding, wherever that understanding is, is we need to share that. We need to communicate that with each other. Because then we have an opportunity to grow. I was talking with somebody just yesterday, and we were talking about mentorship. And as he was a person senior in age, like me, and senior in ministry, like me, one of the things that he shared is he enjoys mentoring because he learns, see, always the student, he learns while he's mentoring others. Because it is a two-way process. It's not what up, it's not one down. When we're talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ, being a disciple, being always the student, we're talking about it at a peer relationship. And one of the hymns that we sung this morning, we talked about communing and praying with God as friend to friend. That is a peer relationship. You hear what I'm saying? A peer relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but there are people on the planet here that I just don't get along with. And the most, I'll say, let me put it this way, the person that I do let me, how, how can I say this here, honey? The person that I like the least, how about that one, is someone who talks down to me, where they think that they are superior to me, where they think that their righteousness is greater than mine. And I'm like, no, we're all equal in the eyes of God. God communes with us as friend to friend. And that's the kind of student that God wants us to be. Understanding that in our relationship with, that we have with each other, it is a peer relationship. And yeah, maybe I know a little bit more. Maybe I know a little bit more about God. Maybe I know a little bit more about prayer. Maybe I might be, quote-unquote, more spiritually mature in certain areas. But I tell you what, there are things that I can learn from each and every one of you as you have been following God through your life, through your difficulties, through your struggles. Just as I've been trying to follow God through my life, through my difficulties, through my struggles. The only thing I can tell you is I've probably been at it a little bit longer than you, but the difficulties are still there, the struggles are still there, the learning is still there. And God just wants us to take that, that invitation that he gives to us in spirit and just says, hey, come and be my follower. Come and follow me. Come and be an imitator of who I am in Christ. I had a seminarian professor who kind of thought all outside the box and he always would tell us in class that we need to focus more on the Gospels of Jesus Christ than we do on the Pauline epistles. And what he was referring to is not that the Pauline epistles don't have any value, because they do. But what he was talking about is our relationship with Jesus Christ is more important. Who we are and who we interact with Christ in terms of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is more important, should be the number one thing. 
The Pauline epistles at times makes things nice and clean, black and white, no gray area. But if you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, in my opinion, if you read them, there are some gray areas there that Christ is talking about. And it's not wiggle room. There's always the boundaries that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. But there are some things in there which Christ is saying, I want my presence of my spirit in your life to interact with who I am. To see the different things. Perhaps to see the light in a different shade. Not to throw out the light because we are to be the light of the world to others. But I think it is a reminder that as much as we want to see everyone follow Christ the same way, there is one way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But how we get there is how God individually addresses you and your life and your spirit. But God always wants us to be the student. God always wants to call us to be his disciple, to be his follower. And it's his call. It's his call. It's his invitation to us. It's his summons to us. And those of you who know what a summons is, do you have a process server? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You have these people that knock on your door and, hey, here's your summons. You gotta, here, here's, here's a major summons. You've got to go to court or they're serving you with some kind of papers legally and blah, 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 blah. Has anyone ever had those wonderful things happen to you? Yeah. It's like, what, what is this about? But in the same way, God is knocking on the door on your heart. God is knocking on the door in my heart all the time to invite us to a better relationship with Him. And even as a follower of Jesus Christ, God is always trying to get in past that next door. Hear what I'm saying? We invite Christ in. We make a profession of faith. We come to know Christ as a personal Savior. But then it stops right there. Because you know there are other doors in your life that He wants to enter into to help you make them right. And so he goes to that next door. And then once he gets past that next door, he wants to go past that door after that, that inner door. Just as we went to the White House on Thursday, we had to pass through so many layers of security to get to where we needed to be. And even then, there were still barriers. And in the same way, God wants us to enter into His place. And His place is in our hearts, in our lives. God wants to enter in with you. And He wants to take first place in your life. But we have to open the door. Has anyone ever seen that? picture that portrait where Christ is knocking on the door knocking on the door but even after we open that door and allow Christ to come in there's other doors that God wants us to open up and in my house in God's house that is in me there are still doors that I'm struggling with in terms of God I don't know if I'm willing to give you complete access they might be creaked open a little bit, 
There might even be a window when you can look inside, but yet the door is still closed. And it is something yet that I have to give up in my life as I just go through the process of surrendering different things as I live for Christ, as I do my best to try to be a follower of Him, as I try to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. And that is not complete. That's why we will always be the student. Because there will always be the opportunity to get better in terms of our relationship with God, being His followers. There will always be an opportunity for us to get better with each other. And once again, you and I will never be made perfect. And we've talked about this in this chapel many times. Perfection is the goal. But we realize that we're not going to make it. But that does not mean that we do not stop trying to obtain that goal. And we do it collectively together. In the same way that you commune with God as friend to friend, so do I. Because that's how God communicates best with us. Now, do we acknowledge Him as God the Father? Do we worship Him in fear? Yes. And what does fear mean? The fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord means that we know and we understand the power of God and it is that understanding of the humility that God has with us that we come before Him and worship Him in all of those circumstances. Because in the same way, you know, the humility that God wants us to show to Him that reverence, the reverence of God. In the same way, God wants us to treat each other with reverence, with respect. And that's what fear of the Lord means. To respect God, to understand God, to be a follower of God. And in doing so, we see that within our own lives, we need to do the same for each other. In humility, come to each other as being followers of Jesus Christ, as being always the student. And yes, there will be challenges. There will be struggles. There will be times when we'll ask ourselves, God, I thought I was doing everything right, but I'm looking around in my life and I'm like, how did I end up here? But then the only way that we understand that is being open to God. And many times it's how many doors we have opened our lives to Jesus Christ within our own lives. Because once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that is not the end state. That is only the beginning state. It's only the beginning of what God wants of you as His follower. And it all depends on how many doors we open up to Him as we journey with Christ in our lives and there is something beautiful inside when we get past some of those outer doors and we get into the inner doors as being a follower of Jesus Christ there's a joy that we just can't define in our lives that takes place we begin to see things in a different perspective it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with things that we've done in the past even though we acknowledge that God has forgiven us of those things and it is His grace but we still think about those things. But then we begin to see, as we mature in God, 
how those things complement what we're doing right now. Complements the things that we are sharing with others. Complements as we're working together as mentors, together, collectively, corporately, as a body of believers in Jesus Christ. Because then we truly do exhibit by example being a follower of Jesus Christ and we acknowledge the whole idea that we have heard God's voice, we have accepted Jesus Christ, and we have made the decision to get out of one boat in our lives into the boat that follows Jesus Christ, follows His will, follows His purpose. And do we struggle staying in that boat? Are there times that we've gotten out of that boat? Yes. But God is always there for us to take us, put us back in the boat and for us to continue the journey with Him as being His disciples, as always being the student of Him. So it is my hope and prayer that as we look at our lives, we look at our desire to improve upon our lives, to make our lives better, as we want to take all of those challenges that we are facing, the struggles that we have, and we're looking for that help, something greater than ourselves, I would submit to you that you can find that strength, that something greater than yourself that you're looking for in Jesus Christ. So if you hear the invite today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, that you respond because God will be sending you that invitation. And it's an invitation of love. It's an invitation of forgiveness. It's an invitation of peace. Amen. Please take a few moments as we prepare our hearts for communion and we practice open communion here in our chapel service, which means basically this, if you believe that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're welcome to take communion with us. That's on you. It's not on me. No judgment here. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are just so thankful that you have reminded us as you've given us these scripture verses this morning, how you call each and every one of us to be your follower, and how you want us to get out of the boat that we're in and get into that boat being with you and following you and desiring you. And God, we thank you that you've given us this opportunity that just remind ourselves that as we respond to your invitation as you come into our lives that that's only the beginning and that you'll always want us to open those doors that we have inside so that we can grow and mature in you so that we can truly be your followers thank you God for forgiving us of our sins and for just loving us just the way we are this morning because we are looking to you and we are looking to your spirit for guidance thank you God in Christ's name Amen.
receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please turn with me for our last hymn this morning, number 485, Take My Life and Let It Be. Thank you for coming.